So the three people we're talking about today are, uh, I'm going to start with your one, Andrew, because I can pronounce the name. You should probably say, you should probably say who it is. That's, uh, first thing I'm going to talk about today is uh, Johann Erwin Rommel, who was a uh, German field marshal during World War II. And uh, Cole, who, who's your... I'll be talking about King John of Bohemia. Okay. Uh, King blind yeah. to his fate. Okay, yeah, as the, as the uh, notion says here, you know, spoiler alert, he may or may not have been blind. <laughs> okay. Uh, that might be relevant. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Is, is this the lad who, who chained the no, other no, 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 no. Don't spoil anything. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about a guy whose name I struggled to pronounce and had to Google a few times, but it's I think it's the Zheng emperor the zhengd emperor okay. uh that's z-h-e-n-g-d-e zhengd zhengd emperor um, yeah so he's a he's a chinese emperor um so there we go so who, who wants to who wants the the great task of starting i i don't mind starting i've got my notes in front of me um and i just read through them so i'm uh well i mean i guess what what year? Yeah, we should work back backwards in time from the oldest to the newest. So, uh, my my fella, uh, King John of Bohemia, was born in uh, 1296 in Luxembourg, son of Count uh, Henry or p- potentially Henri the Seventh. I'm sure someone knows somewhere. Uh, a man who would later become uh, Holy Roman Emperor. That's his father becoming Holy Roman Emperor, I should say. So uh, when John's dad eventually rose to the uh, throne of the Holy Roman Empire, he decided to give his son a kingdom to rule, to sort out, which is a very common theme of the the time period. Uh, much like today, you know, nepotism running strong. Sort, you know, give your son a job, set him out, set him up with a little kingdom, and uh, let him let him run that. So the kingdom that he was given uh, was Bohemia, which is modern day Czech Republic. Um, at the time, Bohemia was in a bit of a bit of a state after the death of Wenceslaus III and the end of the uh, Primislid dynasty, hopefully pronouncing that correctly. Uh, there was some complicated politics featuring some frustratingly similar names, uh, a lot of Henrys, which again is extremely confusing. There were some co- confusing intermarriages, people dying of various illnesses, but Suffice it to say that John ended up marrying into the throne of the Kingdom of Bohemia and was crowned in Prague in 1311. Uh, he was a pretty good king, but uh, as a foreigner, the people weren't particularly mad on him. So for reference, he was born in Luxembourg and he's here ruling what is now modern day Czech, uh, Czech Republic. Um, so his dad owned like everything in Europe. Yeah, so his, da- his dad at this point is Holy Roman Emperor and said, here, son, like I'm going to sort out a couple of marriages. You'll marry this, I think, 14-year-old, which is, you know, well, it is what it is for the time <laughs> yeah. period. And uh, he marries into the kingdom of Bohemia. Uh, so the people aren't mad on him, but he also apparently has a, a very lavish lifestyle. So he taxes them into the ground to pay for it. Uh, he rules pretty well, does some light kidnapping, medals in politics, standard medieval or uh, rather 14th century stuff. <laughs> is that ruling well? Like the first thing you say is some light kidnapping, you know. I mean, how it for is, for the know? time, Andrew, for the time, you yeah. know, you have to have to do some pretty extreme things. To, I, believe, to I believe it's called hostage exchange. Exactly. Like diplomatic yeah. He terminology. might turn it that way. Um, but anyway, he, he meddles perhaps where he shouldn't, but 
you know, otherwise actually rules quite well, and he becomes one of the uh, prince electors of the Holy Roman Empire. So these are the people who decide on who's going to be emperor, and they can be elected to the throne of emperor as well, should they get enough votes. Um, so he's ruling well, and he decides that, you know what I need to do is I need to go on crusade, uh, and I need to join... Uh, the Teutonic Order fighting against the pagan Lithuanians. In uh, how old is he when he's like, I want to go? Yeah, uh, this is thirteen thirty-six. Is he born twelve ninety-six? So he's uh, what forty years old? Okay, yeah. Okay. So it's a good age. Good age. It's good his, his first rebellion against yeah. his dad. You know? Well, you know, it's a good age, but it doesn't go very well. Uh, he he gets blinded by ophthalmia. Uh, his physician tries to heal him, uh, fails, and is drowned as a result. Um, oh. yeah. <laughs> he's then so this this guy's not cutting it so he's, he drains his physician and he says to his men we're going to march to Avignon in France and we're going to speak to this legendary uh, physician called Guy de Chaliac uh, who we may, might mention in later podcasts if he's, uh, but he's a legendary sort of physician and he does a lot of work during the uh, bubonic plague as well and identifies a lot of the symptoms um, but, uh, you know, despite being a legendary physician, he can't, you know, return size to King John. Uh, and everyone's like, well, they just shrug their shoulders and say it's a punishment from God. Um, <laughs> and what about the guy that they drowned? Like he was just, oh, well, know, no, yeah, he, <laughs> it's just like, just, yeah. you know, when he, when he, he was not do job. it, he was incompetent. Yeah. Exactly. But when the other yeah. Couldn't do it. They were like, oh, I guess it's impossible. <laughs> but mean, it, it is, players, it is complete bullshit. But, uh, you know, when you're the king, maybe he was just having a bad day. You've just been blinded. Your physician tells you you're blind for life. Drown him. That's kind (laughs) of the the vibe of 1336. So anyway, despite his blindness, this king still decides to side with the French uh, against the English during the Hundred Years' War. So he says, you know... He, having been born in Luxembourg, he's got some French roots. He was educated in France, and he wants to go and help the, the French King Philip against uh, these, these English invaders. Uh, it's not going well for the French. Um, they've lost a few battles. There's some landing actions, some outflankings, uh, probably a lot of dysentery, the classics of, uh, of medieval warfare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so John joins the French King Philip at the Battle of Cressy. And it's an absolute disaster for the French and their allies. They're completely routed by the English. Seeing the battle is going poorly is, um, you know, many choose to flee. They're running away, all of the men-at-arms, the noblemen, etc. And uh, one of his noble counterparts allegedly uh, suggests to the King John of Bohemia that he best flee. And he says, no, far be it that the King of Bohemia should run away. Instead, take me to the place where the noise of the battle is the loudest. The Lord be with us. Nothing to fear. Just take good care of my son. At this, he orders his men to chain their horses to him and lead him to battle. Um, It goes about as well as you think. Presumably, they led him in the right direction. He didn't know at the time. You know, they might have just brought him into a corner and and butchered him to some loud sounds of pretend fighting. Uh, (laughs) Or they might have indeed uh, led him into the battle. Uh, this blind king flailing wildly left and right at uh, presumably any sound he heard, maybe hitting a lot of his own men. Uh, and unfortunately, that's where yeah. the blind King John of Bohemia met his end. 
Is, is it is it said who killed him? Is this he just, he just did a heroic charge and died? Was it? Well, he doesn't know. He you know couldn't believe his own men. Uh, he was found on the battlefield. Hopefully, having made it there, you know, you never. It's it's a king's like friendly fire is a king's privilege. You know, that is very. Is, is it, they is serve it his pleasure and and yeah. or his displeasure, as the case may be. Reminds me a lot of that guy. Um, was is it Aristodemus, the guy from who the Spartans sent back from Thermopylae? The blind yeah. guy, and then and then was you know you know lived the rest of his life in disgrace until I think was it Plataea? Plataea, yeah, yeah. And then, he, but they wouldn't let him fight in the shield wall. Yeah. And then he <laughs> and then he like acquitted himself really, really admirably, killed tons of Persians. And then at the end, all the Spartans were like, "Yeah, but he didn't fight in the shield wall, so it doesn't care." <laughs> 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 the blind guy flailing yeah. wildly at wicker shields, oh, just thrusting oh, at the shield wall. Yeah. Was he also blind? Was he? Yeah, he was he, blind. He yeah. blinds himself, doesn't he? Or he is? No, blind. I, think, you know, I think I think he got. Um, did, did he have the he same disease? Did he? I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe you know. His, he was struck down by the gods, I suppose, in that time period. Oh, I hope someone drowned for that blunder. <laughs> I mean, these are inspirations to blind people everywhere. You know, yeah. like you can go out there, you can get your heroic last dance. You can. But imagine being one of his uh, his men at arms. <laughs> you know. A presumably this like heroic moment of like you know the king of Bohemia does not flee. Men, fetch out the chains. Yeah. <laughs> You're with facing, me. You know, as he's pointing the wrong direction. <laughs> this will go well. Yeah, God, because you have to do it. Every every look at you. They're like oh, king's head. You know. Yeah, you essentially just signed your own death warrant. Loads of people sidling down the line, being like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll just go <laughs> down this end." Uh, Everybody bang a bunch of weapons and shields together. We'll just cut his throat. Jesus, that's pretty good. Oh man, uh, that that Venceslas that he took the the throne from was that. So this is in thirteen hundred. So that'd be like, king. oh, it'd be from his grandson, him, great grandson. I don't know. He's the last of his dynasty. I didn't look into that think, one too much. I think that, 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 that Venceslas was from like a thousand eighty or something. No, yeah, so Vance, the, no, Rick, I was talking about Vance's the like, third here. He, he's right, the right, end right. of a dynasty that started in the ninth century. Uh, um, and I think, I think that's like the end of Catholic, ooh, Catholic Prague. I'm not sure anyway. Um, but I, I do think as well he might be, well, he's, he might be the good king Venceslas from the, the uh, Christmas song, but... Sorry, this this is the guy that our blind king is fighting. No, no, oh, no. He, 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 this from. is the guy he took over from. It was a bit of an assault. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think it's it's a later one. I think that that Benzisus is from like an earlier. He's yeah. like a thousand eighty or something. Yeah. So so what happens to um? Sorry, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but uh, what happens to the you know what will become of the Czech Republic? They've they've just lost their king. Like, do England um, just? I don't know. I, I think he might have a son at this point, given that he's what does he, does he, he, he says, yeah, take son. care of his son. So I, I think his son just oh, yeah, yeah. presumably. All right, uh, okay. I say he what, dies. What, uh, the, what what were the people of Liechtenstein? Like what religion were they if they weren't if they were faithless pagans? Oh, of you of Lithuania of uh, Lithuania. Yeah, sorry, Lithuania. Uh, I don't know. I guess that's a Slavic religion. Whatever. Maybe it's like Tengriism. Is that the name of that religion? The pagan one. Actually, is that not the Mongolian one? Is this the great blue god in the sky? Tengden? Well, the Mongolian quick, one quick, like, quick the, the, the important thing, Andrew, is that they were pagans and they had <laughs> to be dealt with. Yeah. They, and he was a crusader, so there's only one outcome, you know? They worshipped uh, idols, Andrew. Into, uh, you know, a blind charge to his the, death. Uh, discussion about, uh, well, the Chinese and uh, their 
very elitist dynasties, or is this yeah, a different? Well, I'm trying to speak of, of Zheng. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Chinese, and indeed, uh, I think it'd be a good follow-up. Uh, well, thank, so thank you for that call. That was really uh, interesting. Um, yeah, God, I, uh, pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want a little round of applause? Yeah, cool. I'm just like fucking uh, met the bar of your critique. Pray, 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 yeah. <laughs> it would have been really fucking bad if I just said all of that and everyone met it with silence. All right, well, anyway, Zheng. <laughs> uh, Bumik slipped me away from that embarrassing debacle. God, no, it was good fun. Um, <clears throat> I'd heard of him before, but I didn't know he was the... Excuse me, I'd heard of him before, but I didn't know he was... Uh, how he died. I didn't know he died fighting for the French against the English. Um, I also didn't know he was 40 in a crusade. That's cool. But, a, um, a pointless death for a king of the Czech Republic. Pointless? Presumably crashing into ranks of something, you know? Yeah, his own bed, perhaps. Own I think it's the sound, <laughs> the smell, if nothing else. Uh, it's, a pretty, it's, a, it's a pretty good speech, to be fair to him, like. Yeah. Yeah, but like the, this, like this king of the Czech Republic dies in a war between France and England, which lasts over a hundred years. <laughs> like, so clearly mm. his death had no massive impact. One of many thousands of casualties. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, will I will I press on with the Zhengd Emperor? By all means. Okay. okay. Where to begin? All right. So the first thing we need to know about the Zhengd Emperor is, um, apparently, he's okay from the top. He's part of the Ming Dynasty, right? Okay, got you. So, so the Ming Dynasty are um, uh, they they ruled uh, China for a very long time, um, but they take over from a you've heard of a guy called uh, Genghis Khan, right? Familiar with his work, yeah, <laughs> his, his greatest hits. But <laughs> from the Mongol-led uh, Yan Dynasty, mm. okay. got you. Which I I'm not certain, but I think is a result of Genghis Khan being Genghis Khan. Yeah, he um, conquers China, right? And put yeah, yeah, like uh, Mongolian yeah. regime, did, right? Did, did the Mongols ever really conquer anywhere? They just kind of like burnt places down and then moved on. Well, if that's not in your definition of conquering, Andrew, I mean, like I think Genghis Khan waste maybe he took, he took Yanking, which was uh, their capital at the time, and then immediately left and went to like modern day Saudi Arabia, and then never came back because he died on his way back. So like, oh, there you go. Did you really conquer it? Yeah. Well, anyway, e- either way, um, previously there was the Mongol-led Yan, Yan dynasty, uh, and then preceded by the Ming dynasty. And the lab we're talking about today is the 11th emperor in line. He is the Zhengd, Zhengd emperor. Um, so his name is, uh, he's born Zhu Haosau. Haosau? Going to butcher a lot of these names. Um, I, sh- I should add, the Zhengd emperor means that he, it's like a, a term means which means right virtue or rectification of virtue. So he's like the virtuous emperor, right? That's kind of what he's known as. Okay. So, but he's born, uh, he's born zoo. And um, he's made crown prince at a really early age because his dad, who I'm not going to try and pronounce, uh, I, think, I think it might be Hongzi, the Hongzi emperor. Hongzi. Oh, have you heard of this guy? No, I just, the ZH I think is Zhe. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, oh, that makes sense for the Zheng, yeah, yeah. Zheng emperor. Uh, he's preceded by this guy, but his dad. Um, but his, his dad was great because um, his dad didn't have any other kids, which is fantastic. You know, back in the day, uh, he, I think he had one other kid, but his younger brother died in infancy, which, you know, obviously I'm sorry to hear. Big but it made, Zeus, <laughs> <laughs> it made Zeus' ascension to the throne 
uh, very, very easy. Mm. His father was a, uh, a good emperor. He was, um, he was quite a chaste man. He made it very easy for uh, passing on the torch, as it were. And uh, so he, he was known as well. Oh, sorry? I said, or he just covered his tracks well. It could it could well be the case. Um, so anyway, Azu takes over, and uh, all the I'll just read out the, the Wikipedia page here. Uh, Many of the Hongzi's emperor's ministers expected that Zhu Haozhou would become a benevolent and brilliant emperor like his father. Hey, looking up. How, how do you think this is the story? Oh, well, there's, there's a bus here. There's a bus. They were sorely mistaken. Did he get so blinded? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh, there is a river involved, but he does not get blinded. Okay. Um, so he, as he's grown up, he's educated in Confucian literature and philosophy, and he's like uh, he says all his studies, and everyone thinks, "Man, this guy's going to be great." Um, so at fourteen, much like our blind um, king of Bohemia, he also gets married to an empress. Um, he has absolutely no interest in his wife. He has no interest in ruling or state affairs. Uh, the second he gets made uh, emperor, he takes on like a super luxurious prodigal lifestyle, and he just sees like, you know what, you know, it'd be great. You know what I'm into? I'm a 14 year old kid. I'm into tigers. I fucking love tigers, right? <laughs> so he builds himself this place, this palace called Bao Fang, as is which right. He, as <laughs> and he's the emperor, he does what he wants. So uh, you know, when you're a teenager and you get kind of really into a hobby, really into uh, tigers. I went through a similar yeah. phase. Yeah, yeah he went, <laughs> he's the Tiger King. Yeah. yeah. Um, Oh, so, so Bao Fang translates as the leopard chamber. The leopard's oh, chamber. He's already gone wrong there, hasn't he? Yeah, it's like... Not do him many favours. <laughs> he has a lot of leopards and some tigers, possibly. All of his, uh, his court attendants are like, yeah, you asked for a bunch of tigers, but like, I don't know if he knows what they are. Just, just fuck a lot of leopards in there. It'll be grand. <laughs> 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 like, it'll be grand. Do, do, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so he builds this big place and he fills it with tigers and uh, leopards. Moment, moment assume. Mm. And um, he's really into tigers, but then he, he gets a little bit older and he's like, now nah, nah, I'm, I'm kind of done with tigers. Do you know what I'm into? Mm. I'm into women because, you know, he's, he's a teenage boy. <laughs> Natural uh, progression. Yeah, <laughs> from tigers to women. Um, so, in addition to having all the tigers and lions in Bao Fang, he also starts like just filling with loads of prostitutes that he's like, these are my harem. That's, that's done. Yeah, mm. happy days. Yeah. Uh, I, I, tigers. Uh, I, 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 I hope. I would hope that it's the same palace, but I think they're in different wings or, or different areas. <laughs> Very confusing. Just the most like, you know, <laughs> women one way, tigers the other. <laughs> um, You're getting ready for some action, go into a chamber, and uh, it's the it's tiger, tiger waiting tiger. for you. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably an ambush. <laughs> I think that's it's actually considered reckless, foolish, or just pointless um, by many historians. <laughs> pointless. So, um, he, I mean, he's only a kid like that. Things like so, John of Bohemia, perhaps. He, he has a couple of flaws, right? And, they, and they're, they're listed on Wikipedia for everyone to read. Um, on one occasion, he had no interest in like governing at all, right? But um, on one occasion, he was uh, he, he couldn't rock up to court for a long time, and his, his ministers were like, "What happened?" And um, it, it turned out he had been badly mauled by tigers. The one place I thought I was free from tiger mauling, the leopard chamber. <laughs> uh, on another occasion, he accidentally burns down the palace. Um, he stored a lot of gunpowder in one of the courtyards and then the lantern. Oh, in the, the same palace? What? This is... In a different palace. Okay. I think the gunpowder palace. palace. 
I, I think so, of course, yeah. Well, no, it's probably a misnomer as well. It's probably called like the, I don't know, like the tea shop palace yeah. or something. It'll become better. <laughs> the palace of um, the nerd materials. So, uh, so you can kind of forgive those three, but the, but the last one is it maybe maybe some blame lies at his feet. In fact, all blame lies at his feet. Um, his harem got so uh, was so overfilled because of so many women. Loads of women just died to death. Uh, died to death. Starved to death due to awesome. lack of supplies. Oh, um, mysteriously eaten as well. Yeah, probably, <laughs> with all these targets. <laughs> Um, so, so he wasn't a great guy, but he, I mean, he was a kid, right? I, I suppose the first two I kind of forget. Being into tigers, we all have hobbies, yeah. And uh, being into women, we've all been teenage boys. Um, the not feeding, not providing enough food for his harem, maybe, maybe mm. that's not. Well, were the, um, were the tigers well fed though? Well, I mean, there was a whole harem there, I suppose. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is pretty grim, but. Um, Weirdly, the economy still grows under his reign, and it's. It, I think. I think it's kind of because he doesn't. He has a pretty hands-off approach. So the sales are booming. booming. <laughs> <laughs> All time high. Yeah. Um. So there's another guy who, who enters the picture here. His name is uh, Li Li Jin. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have heard of. I had never heard of him. Um. But he's uh, the leader of the Eight Tigers. Um. Who were <laughs> not actual tigers. There's a lot of tigers in the story. I'm resisting the urge to make another tiger joke. They're, uh, <laughs> they're, um, they're Chinese eunuchs. Like they're, they're, there's eight eunuchs who basically rule the, go- uh, the country. Mm. So Li Jin is the head of them, and he is uh, perhaps one of the most corrupt men in Chinese history. Yeah. Um, and after some time, people are like, listen, uh, Zheng the Emperor, you got to deal with this Li guy. And everyone's like, nah, 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 nah. And eventually, the Zheng the Emperor is also like, nah, 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 nah. But he checks on Li's house. And Lee's house is just filled with weapons. And he's like, oh shit, you were going to assassinate me. Sorry, Lee Jin. It's the end of you. What, so, a, uh, what Lee... a bad idea. I mean, surely, you know, do you need a house full of weapons for that plot? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like you could just hang out with a tiger some more. It would have sort of resolved itself. And at what but, point uh, is your house full of weapons, like, similar to the tiger escapades, like, at what point does that cross over from hobby to, you know, dangerous interest? <laughs> or, you know, Mm. I will. Uh, I, I will. In Lee Jin's defense, he was against the modern kind of uh, view of religion at the time. He was really pro widows remarrying. Um, that's probably the only thing you can say for this guy. He, he uh, <laughs> other than <laughs> the corruption, he, yeah, he's it was, like just horrifically corrupt, and um, he gets the uh, the lovely end. He gets executed in uh, Beijing by death by a thousand cuts. Um, oh. Which is a bit of a misnomer because uh, it says here uh, results in Lee being cut three thousand three hundred and fifty-seven <laughs> times. Why, why was I hoping it would be less? Yeah, uh, well, it was. It, it was for him. It was less. He died apparently after about three hundred cuts yeah. on the second day, uh, but they just decided they to cut him another him. three thousand times. Yeah. Wow. Um, measure. Yeah. I mean, he he played the game. He lost. That's you know? it. That's it. There, there can't have been much left. Like, was he just ribbons at the end? Uh, he was ribbons, Andrew. I'm glad you mentioned ribbons because it's it's reported that onlookers bought pieces or ribbons of his flesh for one coin, the smallest available currency at the time, and consumed it accompanied with rice wine. Hey, oh, nice. so interesting. He was, he was not beloved by the As people. If the, the tale could have got any more horrific. Uh, Pretty grim. But um, but that's yeah. not we're, we're not here to talk about Legion. We're we're here to talk about the Shang Emperor. So. Uh, what, what, like you know, he, he resolves this plot against mm. him. He's like, what, what do you know? Um, 
and he's a little he's 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 known as kind of a childish emperor uh, and so he orders everyone in his palace be they soldiers uh, ministers servants whatever they all have to dress up uh, as merchants and he orders the construction of a mercantile quarter within the palace and then he moves through it and role plays as a commoner this is taking a very like Nero and Caligula turn <laughs> <laughs> so like he just, he just decides he's like you know what I'm, I'm done being emperor uh, I don't know he's maybe 18, 19 at this stage. I'm done with tigers. I'm done with brothels. I want to. I'm into roleplay now. Uh, I'm into Dungeons and Dragons phase. I want to know what, like, you know, uh, you know, going going to the market is like as a commoner. Um, and anyway, everyone's really pissed at this because they're like, "This is beneath me." Um, but if you didn't do it, you basically got kicked out of office. Mm. Um, so he he's, he's not the most effective ruler, but I, I don't. I still don't think he's a bad guy. Is what I would say. He's just kind of a kid who doesn't really know the power he's got. Um, that is very like Nero. Like, yeah, I think he's just kind of dragged into this position of power, and you're like, I'm a child, and no one. He was just born, and everyone, everyone thought he'd be great. And I, 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 my suspicion is that the um, the eunuchs like Legion thought they could kind of, and they did, just manipulate him and, and rule the country themselves. They couldn't um, keep up with his whirlwind fant- fantasies, I assume, you know? Yeah. Like, he's like, tigers, just give him tigers. <laughs> he's, like, he's bored with that now. What do we do? But yeah, kind of bubbling in the background is like he's, he's not making any friends in court. Despite being the emperor, pe- people are kind of like, this guy's pretty inefficient. <laughs> Shocker. Um, so, so he's done tigers, he's done brothels, he's done role play. And then in 1517, when he's about, I don't know, sorry, I should have said when he was born. He was born in... Uh, born 1491. Uh, so he's really old at this point. No, he's only, it's only 1517. So he's, oh, yeah, 17. He's about, is it 70? I was like, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you getting? Sorry. <laughs> he grew out of that tiger phase eventually. Yeah, he's in his mid-20s. Well, he's entering a new phase now. So he decides, I'm, do- I'm done with women. I'm done with tigers. I'm done with um, roleplay. I'm going to become, I'm going to ascend. And he, be- he becomes an alter ego. And he starts calling himself <laughs> Zhu Zhao. Right. And the okay. reason, yeah, the reason he has to do this is because I, I, I don't think the emperor is allowed to like just rock off to war. But uh, he orders this guy Zhu Zhao, who is himself, uh, <laughs> to command some forces to go fight the Mongols. I see where this is going. Yeah. Well, well, dude, so anyway, I, I also thought the same thing. I, I didn't think that he was going to do so well, but um, <laughs> but yeah. that, that legion of tigers, <laughs> the tigers is very, very, very effective. He he, uh, he rocks up north, and there's a, a load of Mongols led by Diane Khan up there, and um, who's one of the Khans. So he's a, he's a Mongol kind of warlord, basically. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, he meets them outside the city of Yingzhou. And uh, amazing, I was surprised to read this, but he wins. Uh, he surrounds them in a major battle, and the Mongols surrender or lose. Uh, it's unclear. Um, and the Mongols, after uh, for the next couple of next while, they just don't venture into Ming territory. They're like, no, this, this weird tiger king came down and just killed us, so uh, we're, we're not arsed. Um, but do you remember I was saying everything was simmering away at court? Yes, they're, are they yeah, still in costume, great. presumably? So uh, he's still role-playing as his commoner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> waiting for this other alter ego to return. Yeah, where, where is Zhu Zhao? Yeah. Um, so, there, so there's a couple of princes rocking about. There's Prince Ning, Prince of Ning, and there is another prince... Uh, the Prince of Anhui. The Prince of Anhui is his great-granduncle, and the Prince of Ning is his granduncle. 
Uh, and basically, in the in the interim, uh, it's fifteen nineteen now. Um, so the Prince of Ning is, has a big rebellion. Uh, he's sort of been paid by a lot of the ministers at court. They're like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, get rid of this new fella. Um, you're his grand uncle. You should be in charge. Uh, and so he has a big rebellion. So our boy Zhu, or the Zheng Emperor, is like, nah, I'm going to put a stop to this. And um, rallies his troops and heads down. And uh, so he rocks down, and the rebellion is already dealt with by a local officer called Wang Yang Yang Ming, um, who, who is more than just a local officer. To be fair, so when I looked him up, he's a, he's a calligrapher and a general and a politician and a philosopher. You know, back back in the 16th century, he could be all these things. Uh, it wasn't working the nine to five, but um, so so how, how do you the think he's playing court? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, that way, I mean, by day he was officer of this province, but by night, he nice. was level, level, <laughs> level ten half work. Um, so how, how would you feel in the scenario? You know, you're. Yeah, you've lived this life and you're like, oh, my granduncle's rebelling and you rally your, your troops. You've already fought the Mongols. You come back and uh, you get there and it's it's already been dealt with. Did they perhaps drown the local administrator? That was uh, that was one option. Um, I, I don't think they, they went with that. It didn't, it didn't palm out with the crowds. Uh, no, they, he's frustrated um, because he couldn't lead his troops to victory. So instead, they uh, released the uncle straight away uh, so that Zhang can recapture him. Such like pantomime, like <laughs> <laughs> so. Like you know, there's this master of that, and he's really worried about it. For he arrives to do that with myself, like one of his ministers already, and he's like, "Oh, but like you stole my kill, like I wanted the glory for that." And they're like, "Uh, just release, release him, so he can recapture me again." So I don't. It doesn't explain how it happens. I mean, I don't know if he was just sent off on one horse by himself, and then Zhang drops out with his tens of thousands uh, and captures him again. But he captures him. Um, so I'm always interested when history kind of links laterally you know sometimes when we look at a topic we go deep into it and we learn about you know uh, French succession and so on but I'm interested when history kind of links across and he's an interesting link because he is the guy in charge of China when Europeans first rock up oh yeah yeah so um, Manuel I of Portugal uh, sent out these two guys uh, Tomé Pérez and Fernando Perez de Andrea, uh, citation needed. Um, and they basically arrive, and uh, he's the emperor in charge when the, the Portuguese come up. Oh, Relations kind of sour pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, uh, not because of him. <laughs> he originally gives them his blessing. He's like, oh, you guys are pretty cool. Uh, he was also pretty cool with the Muslims. And Muslims rock up, and he's like, oh, I read some philosophy as a kid. I'm interested in your other religion. Um, apparently, very interested in Muslim women. Uh, yes, <laughs> but there is a book called the Passion, the Passion of the Cut Sleeve: The Male Homosexual Tradition in China, which suggests he was also um, in a, an alleged homosexual relationship with a Muslim leader. But Chinese sources deny this. I see. I see. Well, that was that was a so, whirlwind. Yeah, truly, yeah, what is real whirlwind. and what was pantomime? It's, it's, it's very nearly over because uh, our boy is about twenty-five years old. He, he <laughs> he's still alive. Years. Forgot that. Twenty-five years. Young man for all this. The Portuguese rock up. I won't get into that. Um, it, it results in Macau being established as a trading port in China mm-hmm. uh, by the Portuguese. But then the Portuguese try to take over Malacca and uh, relationships there pretty quickly. But unfortunately, the Zhang Emperor died uh, in fifteen twenty-one. Uh, he was. Uh, it said that he was drunk while boating on a lake one day, uh, and his 
fell off his boat, almost drowned. He, he uh, fell. <laughs> he fell off his boat, almost drowned, contracted a disease, and um, and that was the end of it. But what's interesting about him is uh, I stumbled across this. We say he died at twenty nine, but in uh, China they say he died at thirty one, and it's because of this thing called East Asian Age Reckoning, um, which is which is. I kind of skimmed through it very quickly, but it's uh, in China at the time, you were born at the age of one, not at the age of zero. And you gain an age every Lunar New Year or Chinese New Year. Oh, see. Okay. Yeah, so kind of how Americans, North Americans, uh, incorrectly call ground floor one. Yeah, um, they are wrong in that. Well, it's the ground floor. It's on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Asians at the time said you start at one and everyone has their birthday at the same time on the new year. Uh, so it basically results in you can be an age or two out of date. Mm-hmm. Uh, not out of date, that's the wrong way to phrase it, but you can, you can be an age or two out. Yeah. So we say 29, they say 31. Uh, but so that was his life. That, that, that was him. <laughs> then the, uh, the, he, old, the old John of Bohemia move, you know? Didn't, didn't yeah, like he, he just, uh, you know, he, he's bored, he gets into tigers, he gets into brothels, gets into a bit of role play as a commoner, mm-hmm. uh, puts down a Mongol rebellion, Kind of doesn't really, but kind of takes credit for putting down his uncle and then gets drunk and, uh, and dies in a river. Well, when you put it that way, you know. It's, it's a thing where, like, where, where you well have lived. everything you, you could have ever wanted. Like, if no one ever tells you no, how do you ever learn how to actually do... Like, how do you, how do you learn the difference between right and wrong? If no it's so risky to tell them no, because you could just get a thousand cuts. Yeah, you just get, get yeah. cut into literal ribbons that are eaten by people. Ooh. Um you know, it's like that, and, you know, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen The Boys, but, you know, like the Homelander effect, where it's like, nothing he did oh, ever. Mm. Yeah, like, there was no consequences for his actions, so, like, he's a sociopath anyway, so, like, why would he do good? Like, why would he mm-hmm. not do whatever the hell he wants? And, like, same for this guy, like, power. And, like, and, like, you see it um, throughout history with people who come up to massive positions of power as children, and, like, you know, you learn what happens when you can't tell a six-year-old no. Yeah. Uh, like literally, you get into a big role play. Where yeah, suddenly, you're role playing. Merchant. I can't imagine there was much haggling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much for these apricots? Um, <laughs> whatever you want. Whatever you want. <laughs> They're free, yeah. unless that's wrong. Yeah. In which case, a uh, hundred coins. <laughs> One province. Oh god, that's an absolute minefield. Yeah, but I, I don't know much about. It. I, th- I thought you guys would go for European, so I thought I would. I wanted to go Asian. Mm. Uh, I've never heard of this guy, but um... yeah. What's this? I, I I just flicked through some of the stuff on this Mars. What's this about? You didn't talk about the dark affliction. Oh, the dark affliction. Yeah, it's quite short. I I was also drawn to it initially. Uh, basically, in early fifteen twenty one, uh, so kind of towards the end of his reign. Uh, in, I, in, I think it's the year he dies, actually. Well, oh, hang on. Maybe the dark affliction is relevant. Um, maybe it is darker than we thought. Uh, basically, there's all these rumors going around China uh, that people are getting attacked in the night and they have all these claw wounds. Oh. And then the, they think, it, well, they think it could be, probably it was a tiger. Uh, they think it could <laughs> <Yeah>. be. <laughs> yeah, like a string of unrelated breakouts from the Tiger Museum. Yeah. <laughs> brothel. <laughs> Having read more about this guy, I'm going to say it was a tiger. Um, but they, they, I, I think they believe it's some kind of dark spirit who's attacking them at night. And the minister of war says, 
look, you got to write an imperial edict saying it's illegal to talk about this because it's scaring everyone. And so, and so we right. don't that's, that's the extent of the dark affliction. All the stories suddenly stop after it becomes illegal to, uh, to talk about it. It's been about 500 years and uh, maybe not a lot has changed in China since then. It's like, oh, what protesters up to the Olympic yeah. Stadium? Well, this is going to be very political. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this maybe that's too much. But, uh, we have, we've, been, we've been censored. <laughs> oh, God. Nice our, cuts, isn't it? Our, our, our worldwide reach has been curtailed. Yeah. Uh, God, we didn't make it very far. Well, thanks for listening to... Uh... <laughs> One-sixth of the population taken out in this yeah. stroke. Oh, my God. Anyway, Andrew, we'll let you, we'll let you bring it home. We'll let you press on with, uh, with Old Ramo. Um, so this is a lot different from those other two. Um, <laughs> so Erwin Rommel was born in, in 1891. Uh, son of an artillery officer in the German army, um, kind of gained prominence in World War One, where he fought in the German army for in France, Romania, and Italy. He was a lieutenant for most of the war, and so like a, a fairly small kind of like local officer, almost like probably would have commanded. I think I read somewhere he commanded about 150 men. Uh, so like real small time uh, guy, and like just. I, I think I, I talked to you guys about this before. Where I, I read his book, uh, he, he wrote a book about uh, his exploits in World War One, and it's just the strangest thing I've ever read. Uh, it is utterly bizarre. So it, it's and half the tigers, blindness, crusades. Uh, no, it's, it's, yeah. I suppose it's it's less it's less kind of uh, content bizarre and more just format. It's so it, it's half. It's called Attacks, uh, and it's it's half autobiography and half like handbook on how to conduct trench warfare with like really specific detailed diagrams and like you know lots of military theory so this guy would like he came from a like kind of a prussian background and like that classic kind of like world war ii prussian uh military tradition but he didn't really like he wasn't like from the officer officer class he wasn't from the prussian aristocracy he was in that sense an outsider while still retaining a lot of the that Prussian military tradition, and an outsider to what? Uh, an outsider to what exactly? Oh, an outsider to kind of the 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 organized like the the higher echelon of command. Oh, sorry. Okay, I see. Yeah. So like so, like traditionally, the Prussian aristocracy would have made up a, a huge proportion of the of the higher end of the German command, and uh, but he he was someone who kind of broke into it. Kind of on merit, but also kind of through a little bit of propaganda. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry, I, I've gone in a big circle. But anyway, this book is just absolutely bizarre. So, like, so some of the stuff he does, that, like, he kind of pioneered the the idea of Blitzkrieg, you know, maybe 20-something years before the Germans did it again. But his was purely in in an infantry format. So there was no mechanized infantry. But he kind of, he was all about, you know, small troops, night ambushes, flanking maneuvers, disorientating the enemy. Uh, and so, like, there was one battle in, it's in Romania, where he and 150 of his men caused 9,000 enemy troops to surrender because they just... 150? Yeah, 150. Uh, 9,000? It was him Jeez. with three rifle companies and a machine gun unit. Uh, and... Yeah. They yeah, so they just they ran circles around the enemy and convinced them that they were being surrounded by an entire German division, and so they all were like, "Absolutely not, uh, get me out of here." Uh, not to <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. That'd be the same. Be honest. Yeah, yeah. Later on, did the exact same thing in Italy. 
where he caused 10,000 Italians to surrender doing the exact same thing where they just like got so disoriented in the night uh, they were absolutely convinced that they had been outflanked and surrounded by a massive German force and so come dawn they were like nope we're out we're surrendering to you it was and just then, him and the boys just yeah, being they, embarrassing. They, they flew the white flag yeah. and then they just saw that there was this lieutenant there <laughs> with his machine <laughs> <laughs> just being like oh cool thanks very much general like uh, I'll take your surrender now but Friday at night must be the worst mm. oh. Yeah, I'm blind, that kind of, could you imagine? I've been barely in my house well, in that. John of Bohemia would know it well. Everybody's <laughs> in the right place. Yeah, but like, I suppose uh, in that period, so this is in 1917, the, the Italian army at that stage was probably a little tired and they were... Uh, mm. They weren't the best trained to begin with. So it's just like... And they were fighting in the Alps, weren't they? Like the foothills of the Alps, basically. Yeah. And mm. so like, if you're there being like in the middle of the night and you're just like, the enemy is everywhere. I want to go home mm. anyway. Uh, you know, I have this gun yeah. that's like 40 years old. Uh, <laughs> this musket. Yeah, fair, fair. Like, Please get me out of here, these Germans. You're, you're like three years into the war at this stage, aren't you? 1914. Yeah. 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 Um, and so then, like, uh, he was promoted to a captain, uh, served as kind of a, an administrative officer until the end of the war and was kind of safe. Uh, stayed in the army, like really wanted to be a career soldier. And this is where it gets interesting, because I think anyone who knows a a bit about Rommel, which I would have known a little bit about him, knows that he has a reputation for being an honorable, apolitical soldier uh, in World War II. And he has, you know, it was kind of, he, he has this quote attributed to him that it's war without hate, and that he's just like, he's, he's in it for the soldier, like the soldier. He's doing his duty. Yeah, and he's just doing his duty by his country. Do you think that's linked to his Prussian... Yeah, and that's that kind of that that old school that that's very much in the in that Prussian school of uh, of warfare. Yeah, kind of professional excellence rather than yeah, it's kind of like you know this is who I am and uh, you know I'm going to do a good job. Uh, but it's really interesting. This has been kind of a really and I didn't realize this. This has been a really hot area of contention between historians. That like some people say that he was a real ally of Hitler and the Nazi Party while not becoming a member and. There's also like, excuse me. There's a lot of um, there are a lot of reports of like big atrocities in areas that he and his troops were active in in World War. Yeah, II. I wonder, we haven't said the word yet, but he was a Nazi, wasn't he? No, see that's that's no? the okay. member of the Nazi he was, party. He was never a member okay. of the Nazi party. He was a general in the Nazi, well, general in the Wehrmacht. Wehrmacht. Okay, the German armed forces, but he was never like he wasn't an SS officer. He wasn't a member of the Nazi party. Um, he was a he, he was a general in in the German army and then eventually promoted to field marshal. Uh, but it's it's this kind of interesting thing where there is that. Was that never a Nazi. Never a member. No, didn't join the party. Yeah, he oh, didn't have to be a, a party. Like um, that that what you're saying about Prussians was pretty pretty typical at the time. Like uh, there were a lot of uh, units in the Wehrmacht and the German army at the time who uh, actually openly hated the Nazis and Hitler, but a lot of uh, the political elements couldn't actually fuck with them because they were, uh, you know, famous war heroes from the First World War, for example, oh, or came right. from such a tradition that they just couldn't be, uh, you know, dealt with that way. I think there was like a, a tank unit that was once a cavalry unit, but its tradition, so it, you know, eventually became mechanized infantry and then into a tank unit. Uh, and they were allowed, they were like one of the few units uh, on the Eastern Front, who openly uh, expressed their dislike of Hitler, but they still did their, still did their. Yeah, yeah. Oh, basically, yeah. Yeah, 
And so this is kind of that, this is one side of, of the, the view of him from history. And the other one is that like, you know, there, there are untold numbers of atrocities committed against the Libyan Jews, uh, you know, natives in North Africa when he joined the, the Africa Corps, uh, black soldiers in French army when he invaded France in 1940. Uh, and, you know, there's all this kind of, and it's one of those things where like, there's no fire, but there's a hell of a lot of smoke. Yeah. And like this just keeps coming up over and over again. Right. And uh, kind of probably more tellingly, there was something his son said in a a documentary that was filmed after the war that like his father would just look the other way at violence towards uh, Jewish people in the streets. So like th- there's a lot of evidence that he wasn't really that super, uh, super noble, pure, apolitical soldier that many, and including me, had, had originally thought he was. Um, but his, his kind of so his his kind of main theaters of war were he he was in Poland in 1939. Um, didn't really do that much there. That was he's the, uh, he's the Desert Fox, isn't he? I thought yeah, he was he an is, African. Yeah. Okay, right. Uh, yeah, so he's he's the Desert Fox. That was his nickname that he gained in when he was in the Africa Corps. But he so he started in 39, then was promoted to a general of the Panzer Corps. Uh, in 1940, which is where he like really heavily lobbied Hitler personally to uh, to get this post, and was promoted ahead of kind of some of the more aristocratic uh, Prussian families, and people weren't that happy about it. And then he was involved in the invasion of France, and then down to um, down to North Africa after that in 1941 to 1943, where he like essentially turned the tide of the war in North Africa for the goods of two years where the Italians had been getting absolutely trounced by the English. And then he completely turned it around until eventually he was defeated by Montgomery in uh, at El Alamein. I think it was El Alamein. Um, yeah, I think so. I haven't read him off. Yeah, uh, El, El Alamein. That, 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 that is the name of it, yeah. Um, and so, Were there like, any like, tigers I, used in this action? <laughs> in the North uh, Africa. Yeah. Different kind of tigers, I think. Tiger tanks. Tiger tanks, gotcha. Uh, oh, they're everywhere. They, they feature heavily. Don't they? Yeah. yeah, very pervasive. The James Emperor, his influence knows no bounds. I think the I think the tigers in North Africa were actually really bad because uh, <laughs> dust. Yeah, they were they were just colossal. They were way too big. Like in the same way that they didn't do well in Russia, uh, they mm. just could, couldn't deal with the. Uh, the any sort of difficult terrain because they just sink. Uh, I gave him a, I gave him a quick Google there, and then uh, he, he mentioned he fought in World War One, and um, he, he was our age again. He was twenty six in World War One when he was fighting. Jesus. Yeah, he would have been. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. So we already have one fella who has a uh, tiger zoo slash brothel at the age fourteen. His his very own role play uh, academy. <laughs> so this other fella, well, Grant, I think he was in his thirties, but he becomes king of Bohemia. Uh, geez, what have we accomplished, fellas? Exactly. I was just going to say, yeah, well, we have this podcast. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but going on towards the end, so after after losing in North Africa, he came back to Europe. And actually, was one of the one of the main defenders uh, on the uh, the Atlantic Wall. Uh, so against the, the D-Day push, uh, and obviously, his, it seemed like his luck from North Africa had kind of run out. He uh, obviously did, didn't do so well there. And then shortly thereafter, he kind of seemingly, from, from what I've read of, of of his of his history, kind of out of the blue, um, in terms of like he he had a, he had no history of descent 
he, he may not have joined, but he never spoke out particularly vehemently against the Nazis. And then um, was involved in some way, which never really came out exactly, but was involved in some way in a plot to kill Hitler in the July 20th plot. And then... Was he? Oh. Yeah, yeah. So that's, so that's actually, this is how he meets his end. Irredeemable. He was, uh, he was caught by the Gestapo. And because he was such a national hero from both wars, uh, essentially, like, they, they, you know, did him the kindness him. of offering yeah. him uh, a suicide rather than a protracted trial. Um, but, like, basically what they said was, if, if you go through a protracted long trial, it will be bad for the German people. And, you know, you wouldn't want that. You're, you're a patriot. And also ruin we'll your, your reputation. Uh, uh, and so they were like, well, brutally murder your family. Uh, and so they were like, or you can commit suicide, save the German people, that great you know, shame of their hero betraying them. And also we won't brutally murder your family. Uh, what, what are you doing? Uh, so he, he committed suicide in the end. Um, well, it's hard. It's, yeah, it's hard to blame him when your family's on the line. Yeah. It's yeah it's, it's, uh, you never know whether it was... Um, a bluff. love of his family or his love reputation of yeah or his or oh, that's, reputation. Oh, that's a good point that's a good point yeah, yeah. yeah. sorry i was trying to cast him as the hero there but um, yeah but it, it may not be so he, he actually he he denied to his death uh his involvement in the plot and you know to oh, very, the Nazi. okay oh, sorry, I've, I've been hitler. Yeah. yeah declared his love for hitler and said he would love to serve the fatherland again so perhaps it wasn't so um well, look, I think I, if this... Mm, I think I probably would have said crazy. something similar. I would have said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very easy to sit here, you know, in uh, in capitalist Ireland and pontificate uh, from my computer screen. But... Um, can't trust anyone. Sorry, you, you can't trust what anyone says uh, when yeah. you're in this chapel hands. And then... But, uh, I'm interested, Andrew, why... You know, you were saying he was such a good... He was uh, kind of had Blitzkrieg before Blitzkrieg. Uh, why was he so good in North Africa? Because I know him as the Desert Fox, but I don't know anything about him. So, like, why was he so good at uh, desert warfare? Kind of similar. It, it seems to, very different to trench warfare. It's kind of similar to his initial um, his initial successes in World War One, just on a much bigger scale. He was never where the English thought he would be. He was always two steps ahead of them. Uh, he would was always just night, night attacks. I, I feel like you'd see a tank coming across the <laughs> desert. Very specific kind of speciality. Uh, I don't think it was always night attacks. Like he just he'd 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 be set up where they wouldn't be expecting. He'd be two steps ahead of them. He was a master of counterintelligence. He just, uh, he just so, he predicts know, their movement really well, yeah, is it? The English would you know they'd move out you know being like oh Ram was going to be you know at X place and then all of a sudden he'd hit their he'd hit their supply line from the rear and they were like how did he even get there? They have no idea. Uh, he had this like massive massive tank that was his uh, his headquarters. And he just used to like in like, in like classic kind of like what what looking back seems so ridiculous. Like he just send that to places, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, Rommel is there," but they'd never see him. Oh, because his tank yeah. is there, and then he'd uh, never be there, uh, and he'd be off doing something else, like raiding their supply lines, and like so it wasn't necessarily just tank. Like there, there he had a lot of mechanized light infantry as well, and so mm. they just appear from the dunes, you know, hit and run tactics, um, mm. you know. Encirclement, um, night attacks, of course, the specialty, uh, and then like just I love them night attacks, creating ambushes and like creating mismatches across the board for years until, like most of the the kind of more militarily gifted German commanders, it was done in by a lack of you know 
lack of reinforcements and a lack of yeah. a, a lack of machinery. So like when a tank was destroyed, he wasn't getting a new one. That that honestly seems to be a the the boon and the bane of what I've read about Germany is that they're surrounded by these massive empires, so they always have to come up with really clever ways to do more with less. But yeah. they never have the more. Do you know what I mean? Like, so he's a really smart guy, but he just doesn't have supplies. Or it was the same World War One, yeah. where uh, Britain's just ferrying, in, <clears throat> excuse me, Britain's ferrying in troops from all their colonies, and the Germans are like, "Well, we have a set population, so we have to be smart. Mm. Yeah, you know, we, we have to outthink them. We can't outman them." You know, they're fighting with like lack of machinery, lack of um, reinforcements. Some of them are blind, even. Blind knights, yeah. I'm I'm looking at at some stuff here, Morrison. Apparently, another thing he used to do in a big way was, whenever there was a sandstorm, he'd be moving. Oh, he'd rather than shattering, he'd use that. Uh, and there's a really oh, because he would kick here. up dust if he moved. That's yeah, high risk if you were your tracks, and you wouldn't be able to be seen. And do you imagine living out of a tank? Like if you're one of his boys, and you're like, I'm going to spend the next five years in this tank with three other dudes. Mm. Yeah, that's a big no for me. Um, oh, God. there's a great line here that, that I read where um, it's uh, when the British mounted a commando raid deep behind German lines in an effort to kill Rommel uh, on the eve of their crusader offensive Rommel was indignant that the British expected to find his headquarters 250 miles behind his front so Jesus. Like, he was just like what do you mean they thought I was there why would they think I was there they think I'm a coward or something mm. 250 miles wrong oh, where he was yeah and like he used to like just fly in a little biplane, in a little reconnaissance plane around the battles and stuff. Like he's he's a bit of a lunatic. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. You, you've told me a story before, Cole, about the founding of the SS. Was who was oh, this the again? SAS? You mean That's SAS? Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. very SAS. important distinction. Yeah, 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 crucial, small but crucial. A. Mm. Um, was that, was that fighting Rama? Was it? Yeah, well, that was in the same theater of war, actually, and um, it's really interesting. One of the big proponents for it was. Uh, Winston Churchill's son, Jack Churchill. And um, I'm going to forget his name now, the guy who proposed it. But they uh, basically, yeah, they, they proposed uh, a mission where they would parachute uh, behind German lines and knock out a German airfield. Um, and uh, the Montgomery, I think it was Montgomery at the time, uh, decided, OK, look, this sounds like it's fucking bonkers, lads, but... Uh, tell you I'm what, in. you know, yeah, yeah, you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's like, okay, if you get enough men, and they have to be volunteers, I'm not going ordering anyone. If you get enough volunteers, like I think it's 50 or something volunteers, uh, then we'll we'll do the run. They get 50 volunteers anyway, and they decide that they're going to drop uh, in the middle of a sandstorm. Now, as you can imagine, with parachutes, not a good idea. Uh, so they all die before they land, uh, or oh, they geez. land, yeah. or they're dragged into the desert. Oh no, sorry, two of them survive and walk back, uh, walk back to, in, including the captain who who suggested it, uh, and they say that they want to do it again. And uh, Montgomery's like, okay, well, you're gonna get volunteers, you know, presumably no one's gonna volunteer after that mission, but they get enough volunteers, they do it, and it's a success, and the SAS is founded. So, so what do they do when they land it? They Blew up an airfield. Yeah, they blew up an airfield. Yeah, they're 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 the ones that say who dares wins. Is that their motto? Yes, I think so. Yeah. So they was just an idea to find it traditionally like what was a guerrilla unit or a unit designed to operate behind enemy lines. Yeah, Um, love to have been there for that second pitch. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, all right, boys. It didn't go so well last time, but smothered in sand. They're like, (laughs) (laughs) a lot less. 
Did, did you do it? <laughs> Ooh, slight complication. I'm amazed I'm amazed that people who signed up again, knowing like you know, the like, last that's not, so grim. That, that patriotism, yeah, probably. like and like, you know, for for better or for worse, you know, that rural Britannia mentality, like well, it, it has a lot of bad outcomes. Like th- that's kind of stiff upper lip British mentality of being like, but we're English, mm. and like you know, we're not going to let you know Fritz knock us back. It's also so boring. Jerry being a soldier. Maybe some of them just volunteered out of sheer boredom. For a bit of fun, like well, fun, quote unquote. Yeah. It's what is the old idiom about it being a soldier is like ninety five percent waiting and marching, five percent actually hurry fighting. I that's the phrase. Hurry up and wait. Everything's really quick. But yeah. Just yeah. I think the phrase is like, isn't it five percent like abject terror? <laughs> that could be it. Yeah. Just like, God, just always waiting for the other percentage to kick in. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're terrified. Then, you want to be bored, and when you're bored, you're like, gotta do anything for it. <laughs> yeah. A bit of action. Gotta see some action. Well, okay. Count me out overall. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we're just coming up to the hour mark now, so maybe that's a good place to to call it. We've had right. tigers, we've had blind kings, we've had military geniuses, various tigers. <laughs> don't, 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 don't try and put John Bohemia in that category, Cole. You can't, you can't just <laughs> retrospectively scrub this random blind man into the category of military genius. <laughs> oh, what an emperor Zheng is! I like, oh, defeat like, the Mongols, I guess. You, you can never <laughs> like be more than the blind king. You know? <laughs> terms, terms of military genius and fetch the chains should never go together. <laughs> Well, in his mind, he was an epic war hero. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's got to be pretty courageous to charge when you can't see the enemy. Uh, or, or when you can. Well, thank, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, I, I, I think I'm going to call it there, though. I don't want it to go on too long. Uh, and thank you, Andrew, uh, for your rendition of uh, Rommel. And thank you, Cole, for your uh enlightening quote unquote, uh, well maybe it's a poor phrase poor turn of phrase illuminating eye opening you might say <laughs>